Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made from things which are visible. morning. It is a blessing to be together this Lord's Day. We are thankful for the time that we have. Uh, you know, we had weather that came through earlier this week and we were unable to meet on Wednesday evening and I missed that opportunity to study God's Word and to see brethren. I know it is refreshing though to be together this Lord's Day. And so we're thankful for the good number that we have that are with us this morning. We encourage you to come back at any chance that you have an opportunity. If you're visiting with us, we hope that you might be able to stick around and, and visit after the services are concluded this morning. In Hebrews chapter 11, I would invite you to be turning there and you might place your marker there. If you have a marker or if you're using an electronic Bible, then you can just go there in a moment. But we're going to actually begin our study looking at a passage in Romans chapter 10. In Romans chapter 10, the Apostle Paul, as he is writing on this occasion, he says in Romans chapter 10 and in verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. You might think about the importance and the significance of faith and belief as Paul is speaking about here on this occasion and how we might confess with our mouth what we believe, that we say what we believe. If you have ever uttered the words, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that He is the Son of God. I believe that He went to the cross and died for me. I believe that He rose on the third day. If you've ever, ever made those kinds of assertions, those statements of faith, of what you believe, Paul is saying that that is what is what you confess is what you are internally processing as your faith. And he goes on in chapter 10 and verse 17 to talk about where that faith and that understanding have come from. He says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. That we have faith that is developed because we hear the gospel. We hear God's word. That the Bible and the word of God is intended to promote and grow faith. It is like a seed that's planted and that faith is supposed to flourish and grow and become something substantial. And in Hebrews chapter 11, it's the great chapter on faith. And I think what is sometimes difficult for us to define 
about faith is that there are different aspects of faith that we might be emphasizing or talking about. Somebody might say faith is trust in God, and that is true. That it is a trust in God. It's a trust in God's promises and God's Word that God is going to do what He says. Or somebody might say, well, faith is believing certain things as true. Like the statements that we made about Jesus as the Son of God. Where Jesus is the one who went to the cross and died for our sins and was raised for our justification. That we might think about faith as agreement to certain facts as true. And so we might think of faith as this idea of it's agreeing with certain facts, that it's just accepting those things as true as they have happened. Or we might think of faith as something that is an emotional trust in God. And that would be true as well. But I think if we are honest with ourselves and as we reflect and meditate on what the Scriptures reveal, we're also going to learn that faith is much more comprehensive than even those two things. That faith involves mental assent and acknowledgement of certain things as factual. It is also going to involve acknowledging our trust and our emotional response to God and His Word. But the Hebrew writer, he really is defining faith for us in a very comprehensive way in Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, this chapter was written to Christians to help encourage them to remain faithful, to not turn back to the way of perdition, but to follow the examples of faith and the heroes of faith. And so he begins, the Hebrew writer does, by defining what faith really is here in the opening verses of Hebrews chapter 11 as an admonishment to remain faithful. And so we need to acknowledge that faith has something to do with our faithfulness in the way that we live and the way that we continue to serve and the purpose in our life for God and what we do for the Lord. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, he begins in verse 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That is how it is translated in the New American Standard Bible. That faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. You think about what faith is, and faith is a conviction about what is invisible. It is about something that we may not be able to see. Now that doesn't mean that faith is unable to be seen. Faith will be seen. We'll, we'll talk about that. But what we have to recognize is that faith is a conviction, an internal conviction about something that we cannot see. You think about that term conviction. If you are in a court of law and someone is convicted of some crime, 
they there has been evidence that has been that has been brought in to support that conviction. That is the reason that you were able to come to that conviction because of the evidence that was brought forward. Well, I think in very similar fashion, our faith is a conviction that is based upon evidence about God and who He is and what He has done and what He has accomplished. Faith is a conviction of something about something that we cannot see, that is God Himself. But sometimes when you hear people talk about faith, they, they might say the phrase, a blind leap of faith. I just, I, I just took this blind leap of faith that they were going to make uh, some kind of deal or they were going to uh, try to make some kind of investment and it was a blind leap of faith. I don't know if it's going to work out or not is how sometimes it is used. And what we have to recognize is that is a very inappropriate way to think about our faith in a biblical sense. Our biblical definition of faith is that faith is not something that is far-fetched. It's not believing something as, as something that is nearly impossible. Faith is not blind. It's not unreasoned. Faith is not gullible. I've sadly heard some people say that faith is just accepting what the Bible says just because the Bible says it. And while the, I believe what the Bible says, I believe there is evidence, there's a foundation for why we can believe what the Bible says is true. Faith is not naive. Faith is very logical. Faith is very reasonable. And it is a conscientious choice. Faith is rooted in evidence and understanding. Notice what he says in verse 3. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the Word of God. That faith it is going to bring understanding. It's not something that is just this blind leap that we hope is going to come to pass. Faith actually gives us a better understanding of certain things. Faith is going to bring assurance, he says in verse 1, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Faith is not only going to be based on evidence and bring about a certain conviction and strong feeling, it is going to be able to provide you with understanding. Faith is going to give you an assurance of certain things as true. And so there is a benefit that we have from believing in God. And our belief and our faith, it is that we believe in God. If you would skip down to verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 11. He says, And without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him, who diligently seek Him that we acknowledge God's existence, that we, even though we cannot see God, we trust that He exists. And without faith, it's impossible to please Him. 
And our faith is we must believe that He exists, that He is, that He is present. And by faith, our understanding of His ability and His work and His power, that because of His Word, all things exist. And so we not only accept that God exists, we accept His power to create matter out of nothingness. That by His spoken Word, He is able to create. Even though we did not see Him create, even though we did not witness all of His power and His miraculous ability that He the things that He has performed, we believe it to be true because we see evidence that supports that. You look at this world, you look at the order and the structure that it is given and how things just duplicate, and we know that it is unreasonable to say that that all happened by chance. That it just occurred that way over millions and millions of years. We know that that is impossible. You understand if you've ever built something, if you've ever built a shed or built a house or some kind of structure, that it took order, it took planning, it took a design to follow and to produce. As much as I would love it, if I could just go to Lowe's and buy all the supplies, the lumber that I might need, and and buy all the nails and just put them there and then blow it up with a big bang or something and then boom, it's there. As much as I would love that, we know that that is unreasonable. And if I were to do that, you would laugh at me. You would probably videotape me and and just send it and put it on Facebook and it would go viral for look how that guy thinks. Uh, and probably some nastier things would be said about that. We know that that's unreasonable. But faith is not accepting that. Faith is accepting that there is a Creator who has spoken and ordered things into existence. That there was some intelligence behind what is here. And we can see the evidence for it. We look around and we see the reasonableness of belief in God. And then something else that we have to believe in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, he says, And without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. That God is approachable. There's something that we accept when we acknowledge that we believe in God is that We are believing in the invisible God that we cannot see. We are believing that He is and that He exists. That He is all-powerful, but that the all-powerful God wants a relationship with you. That we can approach God. and That we can come to Him. That we can long for Him. That we can have a relationship with God. And so it is that faith leads us to conclude that this world exists and that we are products of God's creative power and His ability. And since He is the source of life, 
and existence. He is the one who can give us direction. He is the one who can show us how we ought to live. That His laws and His commands that are contained in the Word of God, they provide order and direction for what is good and what is right. We also accept as believers, we adopt the frame of mind that since life begins with God, then we are subject to Him. That there is something beyond what this world has to offer. Now we recognize that there is a dual reality and that we are sort of in this in-between state. And we recognize that we are here, that this earthly life exists. But we also have come to understand that there is more to this world and to this life. In 1 Peter chapter 1, notice what the Apostle Peter says. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter, he is writing to Christians who are being persecuted and who are encountering different trials. And he's encouraging them to continue on, to be faithful, that this is a refining process that these trials can serve. And he says in verse 8, And though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Speaking about even though we have not seen God, we are committed to following Him. We love Him. And in though you do not see Him now, but believe in Him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. That we are understanding that even though we do not see Him, we are committed to Him. Even though we do not see Him, we believe in Him, we love Him, and we are going to remain that way. In 1 John chapter 4, John, the Apostle, writes about this very idea. In 1 John chapter 4, as the Apostle is writing to Christians to continue to love one another, to love each other, and he speaks about how someone in verse 20, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. By faith, we believe that God is, even though we do not see Him. And we come to accept that we are in this, that there's this dual nature of reality, that there is this earthly existence and that there is a spiritual existence. There is a spiritual realm where God exists. And believers work without understanding. In Hebrews chapter 11, in Hebrews chapter 11 and in verse 13, as he's getting to the example of Abraham and Sarah and, and the others uh, like Isaac and Jacob who were pilgrims and wanderers on the earth. He says in Hebrews chapter 11 and in verse 13, all these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. 
But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. Speaking about how these heroes of faith, they died in faith. They died in faith, and if they were just looking for something here on this earth, then they could have gone to that place. If they were just thinking, oh, I can go to this spot on, that, on the map there, then that's okay. I could go there. But biblical faith, it understands that there is something more than just a physical spot on the map. That there is a place where God exists. And believers come to that understanding that there is a relationship between this life and the one that is to come. Biblical faith begins with accepting the fact that God exists. But it goes beyond that. It goes beyond just a conviction about the existence of things that are invisible. Faith looks to God for a reward. He speaks about this in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. That word hope is a desire and expectation. That faith and hope are intricately connected. He goes on in verse 6, And without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Faith not only recognizes that God exists, faith recognizes God's goodness and God's desire to give a reward and to give a blessing. This is not looking for a reward for selfish reasons. This is looking to the reward that God has promised. It is a reward that God has promised to the faithful. And if we believe in Him, this is what God is going to provide and this is what God is going to give. That God is going to give a blessing just as whenever God told Abraham to leave Ur of the Chaldees and he followed in God, or Abraham followed him. He was looking for that reward, that blessing that God was promising. And if we do not have faith, we cannot please God. If we do not have faith, we cannot please God. It is an impossibility to please God if we choose unbelief. And so believers, they come to this perception that God's goodness and His desire to reward those who believe in Him and live their earthly lives with the purpose of faithfulness and with the purpose to please God. Faith looks beyond our life in our current situation, and it looks to receive future blessings from God. Notice in Abraham, in verse 16, as he was desiring a better country, a heavenly one. Or Isaac and Jacob, in the blessing that Isaac gave to Jacob and Esau, in verse 20 of Hebrews chapter 11, it says, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. That faith looks beyond anything that we are going through in this life right now. It looks to the future. Faith looks to something better. Faith looks for something 
beyond just what is temporary in front of us. Faith looks to God in times of difficulty. Moses, in his example, in his faith, he is commended for his faith in verse 24 and 25 and 26. He says, Considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. That Moses was looking to something that God was going to provide. He could have taken treasures from Egypt if he had so chosen. But he was looking for a reward that came from God. He says in verse 27, By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. That Moses had this faith that God was going to give and provide a reward for him. Faith understands that God is going to provide for those who follow Him. For those who are seeking Him and living to please Him. But I think when you think about faith, one of the biggest difficulties and hurdles that we have to overcome in our faith and our understanding of what the Bible teaches us about faith is that this life, it promises certain things to us, doesn't it? Think about some of the devil's lies that he tells us. The deceptive nature of this life is that if I just get a little bit more, isn't that how we think? And if I get one more thing, then that's going to secure my happiness. And if I get this, then I'll be happy. What we have to realize is that anything that we get in this life is only temporary. Any feeling, any emotion that we have is only that. It is only a feeling, it is only an emotion. It is temporary, whether it's good or bad. When bad things happen, it's not hard for us to think, boy, things could be a whole lot better, right? The entrapment comes when things are good. Because when things are good, we let our guard down, don't we? We don't really think about on your best day that you've ever had, maybe it was your your wedding day, the best day that you ever had. It's hard to think, boy, it could get better than that, right? Because we're caught up in the moment. We're caught up in everything that we have received and all the good things that we have gotten. But even on your best day, things can be better, can't they? That day that you might be able to enter into heaven to be with God and your Savior, I would argue that that's a better day. Faith looks beyond anything that this life offers and it looks to the best reward that we could ever receive. I think we see that in 
Moses' example. That he was seeing him who is unseen. And he looked to the reward that God was going to offer and that God was going to promise. And faith cannot get caught up in the devil's lies. Faith looks to God. Faith must look to God for what this world cannot offer. What we see is that faith then is obedient to God. Because we are constantly looking to please God. As believers, people who have faith, they are obedient to God. We don't have time to look at all the examples in great detail. But in chapter, in verse 4, Abel is mentioned as someone who made better sacrifices than Cain. And he was obedient to God. Enoch walked with God. Noah built an ark. Abraham, it says in verse 8, by faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. That he obeyed God very clearly. You think about what faith is. Faith is obedience to God. Faith is why Abraham left that foreign land and obeyed God and went to where he was told. Moses chose suffering with the people of God over the treasures of Egypt. Israel, in verse 29, passed by faith they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land. And the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. You ever notice that verse before? That not only is the faith of Israel commended, the unbelief of the Egyptians shows that when you don't believe, you're condemned. There's punishment. They were unable to do that. Even though they attempted to cross the Red Sea like Israel did, they did not believe in the one true God of heaven. Which that should reveal something to us about obedience. I think sometimes people shy away from talking about obedience as if obedience is somehow earning your salvation. Or that people, they say that you're saved by faith alone, that you're, uh, that works and obedience are not required in any way. And that if you talk about obedience and somehow you are trying to earn your way to heaven, what true obedience is, is not just going through outward motions. If that was what faith and obedience were, then why were the Egyptians destroyed? Obedience, or an attempt at obedience without recognizing God and His Word, without proper motives, is useless. Obedience is not merely about checking something off a list and saying, well, I did it. Obedience is about sincerity of love and conviction of faith. Think about the example of Rahab in verse 31. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. 
Rahab is commended for her faith. And she did not perish as those who were disobedient. Notice that contrast there. That Rahab is commended for her faith. And then those who perished are condemned because of their disobedience. So you have faith and disobedience. They are contrasted, aren't they? That tells us something about faith, doesn't it? That if disobedience is disbelief, then obedience is faith. Faith is obedience. Faith is going to show itself and prove itself and display itself through compliance and through doing what God says. It's through our obedience that faith becomes visible. How do you have faith? How do I know that you have faith? It's through your actions, through your works. In James chapter 2, James chapter 2 and in verse 14, that's the very question that James poses. He says, What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. He's saying you can't separate and parse out faith from action. Faith and works and faith and action, they're going to be intertwined. And if it's going to be faith, then it must include obedience and works and action. Because faith without works is dead. He says in verse 24, You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messenger that sent them out by another way? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Faith is going to be obedient to God. And if there is no obedience... The dead faith. Someone might say, well, is a dead faith the same as no faith? Well, it's certainly going to result in the same condemnation. And I might actually argue that and suggest, based on what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 2, in 2 Peter chapter 2, he speaks about. Christians who are carried away and swept away by false teachers. That Christians who, he says in verse uh, 19, that they have overcome the world in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 19, promising them freedom, that is these false teachers, while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome. 
the last state has become worse for them than the first. They are actually become in a they're in a worse situation. If you say you have faith, but you do not have works, are you better off than the person who has no faith at all, the atheist? No. You might actually be worse off. You might actually be worse off. What the biblical picture of faith is is someone who complies with God's Word and is obedient to what God says. And because of that, faith is going to choose the way of righteousness. Those who believe in God will choose to do what is right and pleasing to God. They will seek to avoid sin. In Hebrews chapter 11, you think about the the sacrifices of Abel. In Hebrews chapter 11 and in verse 4, by faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Abel was made righteous because he did what was pleasing to God. When we choose to please God, when we choose righteousness, when we choose the ways that God has told us to do certain things, we're choosing to do the right thing. We're choosing the right way. I'm reminded of Psalm 23. In the 23rd Psalm, when David would describe our God as the shepherd, and how he leads us in green pastures and beside quiet waters. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. And when we follow God, it's going to lead us down the path of righteousness. That's what Moses came to realize. By faith, it says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. That Moses realized that it was more important to follow God than to engage in the passing pleasures of sin. That phrase there in verse 25, the passing pleasures of sin. What I like about that statement is that it acknowledges an important truth. That sometimes... I think we are afraid to admit. Sin brings pleasure, doesn't it? If it didn't bring some kind of pleasure, then we wouldn't engage in it. We wouldn't participate in it. It'd be easy to say, no, thank you. 
to any temptation that the devil might bring. Sin brings a certain degree of pleasure. But you want to know how long that pleasure is going to last? Not very long. It might last a few minutes, might last a few hours, might last a few days. But engaging in that sin for however long of a period of time that it might last, it's not worth it in light of eternity. Because the reward that God has to offer is much better and lasts much longer than the passing pleasures of sin. Sin and its pleasure is always something that is like catching lightning in a bottle. It just can't be done. It's going to be something that is always a pursuit for more. And that's the great lie. Is that sin, if we engage in it, it's always going to produce more and more sin. And what we have as Christians, as those who believe in God, as people of faith, we come to a better understanding that our life's purpose is not about chasing what can't be achieved. It's about prioritizing the path of righteousness. It's about doing what is right and pleasing God rather than being distracted by the temporary pleasure of sin. And as the faithful, we need to choose righteousness more than we choose sin. We need to commit our life to Christ and the choice of serving Him, pleasing God. And instead of making excuses for sin, we need to choose the right path in following God and His Word. And if we would come to that understanding of what faith is, that faith is what will enable us to please God, to receive that eternal reward in heaven, That faith looks beyond what we can see. And faith is going to encourage obedience to God and His will. If we can come to that understanding, and we are coming to realize what full faith has to offer. And the fullness of our faith can grow and be produced as God intended for it to be. That we can receive that eternal reward in heaven that we all are longing for, that we all want to receive once this life is over. This morning, if you're not a Christian, we want to encourage you to take the steps to do what is necessary to become a child of God. Choose to believe in God.
have faith in Christ. And what God offers is salvation through Jesus Christ and His Gospel. And you can become a child of God if you would give your life in obedience to the Gospel of Christ. Coming in faith and confessing that faith. Being baptized in water to become a child of God. Maybe it is that you have made that decision, but you've not been living faithfully. You've not been living as the examples of faith like Abraham or Moses or Abel. We want to encourage you to come to the Lord. Make correction of your life. Renew your zeal to follow Christ and to be faithful to Him. That way you can please God and you can longingly look forward to that reward that God has prepared for each and every one of us. If there is something that we can do to help you this morning, would you come now and we stand as we sing? Have thy affections been nailed to the cross? Is thy heart right with God? Dost thou in moments for Jesus us Is thy heart right with God? Is thy heart right with God?